Good morning, church. Let me say, first off, it is a, uh, it's just a blessing and a, and a privilege, one I don't take lightly, um, that God uh, affirms to me and reminds me that he's, he's not finished with me yet and the calling that he placed on my life uh, to proclaim his word. And so um, I'm thankful for a pastor who is uh, obedient to the Lord in his direction. And, uh, you know, not many pastors turn over their pulpits on Sunday morning. And uh, for him to, uh, to be obedient to God, to uh, ask Brother Kevin and I to be a part of this, uh, let, me, let me tell you that that's a blessing, and I don't take that lightly. Um, last week, Brother Steve kicked us off in Joshua 1. And, and before that, I, I want to take just a second and um, thank the Lord for how blessed that I am to to be able to be in church with my family this morning. Don't ever take for granted the opportunity to worship and be in the Lord's house with your family. Uh, we were raised in church. Uh, it, it just wasn't a, a matter of debate on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Uh, we were in church and we went to church and I'm thankful for godly parents who, who, who brought us, sometimes drug us to church. <laughs> And I'm thankful to be in church with, with my kids and, and uh, not only with my parents, but with two sets of in-laws this morning. Uh, I'm thankful God has blessed us. And young parents, every opportunity you get, have your children in church. Have your family in church. Men, step up, be the leaders. Make sure that your family's in church on Sunday mornings because God will reveal to you over the years how faithful he is. And, and you'll have a generation after generation to be able to look back and see the wonders and the miracles of God. And that leads us into uh, speaking of wonders, speaking of miracles. Um, Brother Steve led us off last week in Joshua chapter 1. And uh, we, we see beginning well, the church, we're beginning with a promise. Um, God promised possession to the children of Israel. God promised provision and he provided for the children of Israel. And God promised, and I can't read my handwriting on point number three. <laughs> prescription. I thought it was prescription. Uh, God provided prescription for the children of Israel. Uh, and, and looking at my notes from Brother Steve's sermon last week, uh, this is one thing that stood out to me uh, as I've prepared and I've read, is we cannot go with God and stay where we are. We cannot go with God and stay where we are. So chapter 1 kind of sets the stage here uh, for God providing this promise and, and telling Joshua, hey, I want, you to take, I want you to take the people and I want you to move towards the promised land, towards Canaan. Chapter 2 uh, it's kind of an episode, you can tell I watch a lot of TV and watched a lot of episodes of shows, and you know, most shows are about one main character, and the storyline follows, and then all of a sudden they'll throw in an episode, it's a side story. It's a little, you take some minor characters and, and you go behind the scenes, and in chapter two, we see where Joshua sends out a couple of spies uh, to go and, and just give everything another once over. And, and see what things are going to be like, what they're up against. And I'm not going to go into chapter two because that's not my chapter. 
That's your chapter to read uh, at a later date. If you haven't already read read it. But God, uh, again, does great wonders in chapter 2 of Joshua. So we're going to pick up on the last verse of chapter 2. The spies have, have been through an ordeal. They return to Joshua. And this is, now their hearts are bursting with joy. And they can hardly wait to get back to Joshua. And this is what he says in Joshua chapter 2, verse 24. Truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands. And also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. I think Joshua already knew he was going to get this kind of report. But this is exactly what Joshua wanted to hear. Immediately, he dispatched runners throughout the camp to alert the people and to tell the the camp that, hey, first thing in the morning, we're going to wake up early. We're going to have our coffee. We're going to break down camp. We're going to head towards the promised land. We're going to head towards the Jordan River. And we're going to set up right there on the banks of the Jordan River. Uh, They would finally come to the point of entering the promised land. Now think about it. They're within hours, days of seeing God's promise fulfilled. So think of the excitement and the joy in the camp. So chapter 3, verse 1, you read along with me in your copy of God's Word. The Bible says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim. And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. Shittim, another word for that is is Acacia Grove. And so uh, they were at Acacia Grove. And so the distance that they would travel from Acacia Grove to the Jordan River is is an easy trek. Uh, It's just a few miles. It's smooth ground. It's easy walking. So we can assume that the Israelites, after they had packed up and left early, that they were able to get there in in an easy amount of time and kind of survey and set up. And I'm sure the buzz going through the camp, going through the people as they travel is, man, this is the day. Hey, this is the day that we're going to see God's promise fulfilled. This is the day that, hey, we're coming to a point to where our forefathers failed, They blew it, but now we have a chance to be obedient. Now we have a chance uh, to obey God. But as they approached the river, they weren't quite prepared for what they saw or were going to see. Uh, This body of water between them and this long-awaited piece of real estate, what they saw here by the light of day, I'm sure, was both confusing and was a little dreadful. Uh, the Jordan was defiantly uncrossable, defiantly uncrossable. Um, there's a simple sentence in verse 15 that says this. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The gentle Jordan, as some would call it, is now a raging river. Um, it's swelled to flood stage. The current is probably 40 miles per hour. Okay, The depth at its deepest at some points could be in excess of 12 feet. Uh, Not to mention around the the borders, uh, there was hedge, there was uh, overgrowth. So it was difficult, even if you could find the edge of the river, to get to it. Um, And this was the site that that greeted 
hundreds of thousands of God's people. This close, this close to getting into the promised land, and now they see this insurmountable uh, river, and how are they going to cross it? It's interesting that, that God had them camp there, and God says that, that the Bible says they spent three days camped there beside the Jordan. Now, can you imagine? You, you see this water, you see this turn, uh, current, uh, you see this torrent of water, and everybody's dejected. And it comes bedtime, and I can imagine laying down on, on, my, on my rock to sleep, and all you can hear is the sound of that rushing water. Can you imagine the nightmares some of them must have had thinking, how are we going to cross day after day after day? Um, the, the questions, how are we going to cross? I'm sure some of the, the strong men could cross. Kyle Nelson, he, he's a strong, fit guy. He could probably get across there. Caleb Levert, he could just walk across. I mean, you know, he's tall enough. <laughs> but what about Mama and Papa? How are we going to get them across? How about little Henry? How are we going to get him across? How are we going to get our cattle? How are we going to get our sheep? How are we going to get our possessions across this raging river? You know, so many of us, we face our personal Jordans, don't we? We have those, those things we know God's promises. We know what God has promised to those who are faithful and will obey him. And we may even know the calling and the plan he has for our life. But it seems like there's river after river after river between where we are and where we know God wants us to be. Between... Uh, between our wilderness and our promised land. And we feel stuck and our lives feel stalled out. We read about the abundant life, but we, we can't make it out of the wilderness. Churches feel that way too. Church after church, I'm sure, have felt stalemated. Where God has given them a vision. God, they know their purpose in the community. They know where God is leading them and wants them to be, but yet there's insurmountable seemingly uncrossable rivers that they must face. The great question that loomed over God's people at the, the boundary of the Jordan and the question that plagues us is this. Will we walk by sight or will we walk by faith? Which is it going to be? Do we really believe that God can handle the impossible? Do we really believe that? Joshua 3 goes on to tell us that uh, uh, something that is echoed throughout the New Testament. Uh, Luke says this, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Aren't you glad of that? Aren't you glad that, that you don't have to do the impossible? That we serve a God of the possible. Um, the experiences that God's people go through here in this chapter, it, it, it's going to be, um, it's going to be a major breakthrough for Israel because there's going to be a whole new generation now that knows and that learns that victory is totally dependent on God. Brothers and sisters, can, can I tell you something that should take a little bit of the pressure off of us? Victory is not up to us. 
Victory is going to be won and is won by God. And we need to be obedient. Now, that leads us to our first point. And if you look at your handout, you'll see the outline. No, you won't because I didn't email the outline. So guess what? We're going to do things the old-fashioned way. You know, kids, how many of you took notes in high school and college with pencil and paper? How many of you do it with computer? How many of you just don't take notes at school at all? Okay. Uh, so, number one, if you want to, if you want to write this down, to be obedient, beginning with obedience. If we're going to be obedient, we need to follow the movements of God. Follow the movements of God. Look at verse two. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried to the, by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. So what did this command mean to the Israelites? Why does God care so much about a, a, a piece of furniture that's carried on, on rods by several men? Uh, why is it such a big deal that this piece of furniture, this Ark of the Covenant, go first? And we get a clue when we look inside the ark. Some of you may already know what's inside the ark. Some of you, this will be new information. Uh, one of the things inside the ark of the covenant were the stone tablets where God's finger wrote the Ten Commandments. And those are in the ark of the covenant. Uh, the, the, the reminder that, hey, God wants a relationship with his people. Um, there was a pot of manna. There was a little Tupperware bowl there with some of the manna from heaven that God provided and fed his children during their time of wandering in the wilderness. Um, that, was, that was a picture of God's gracious provisions. Also in the Ark of the Covenant was Aaron's rod. Uh, it was a dead stick, but guess what God did? God showed that he could bring life from something dead, and so he caused it to bud, and he caused, uh, he, he, he caused um, almonds to grow. I don't know why almonds left me. Uh, but he did this to validate the power of God over death. So we've got three historical reminders here in the ark. We've got three witnesses to God's love, to God's will, to his provision, and to his power. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant was a monument of God's faithfulness to Israel. Anytime they saw the Ark, they knew what was in it. And they knew their journey and how God had led them from Egypt to where they are now. It was much more than that. It also, the top of it also served as uh, the mercy seat. And on top of those mercy, the, the mercy seat were two statues of cherubim who, who knelt. And God showed up here over the mercy seat and gave uh, meaning to these acts of powers that he did. So the Old Testament really was, uh, the Ark of the Covenant really was the Old Testament Emmanuel, God with us. Wherever they saw the Ark, that was God going before them. And so... When, when the ark led the way, that told the people, hey, God is before us. 
God goes before us. God leads us. And in essence, he was going to take the first steps into the promised land. He was going to lead his people. So their task was this, to follow his lead. They were to pursue his presence. Uh, They were to come after him. Now, verse 4, God gives a procedure in how they're to do this and how they're to cross the Jordan and how they're to follow the Ark of the Covenant. He says, yet there will be a distance between you and it about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Uh, I don't know why that stuck with me this week. You have not passed this way before. In other words, dummy, you don't know where you're going. Now, God never calls me dummy. I call myself dummy. But you ever tried to outsmart your GPS? You know, you see the directions. Why is it taking me that way? That's not, that's not, there's a quicker way to go. There's a better way to go. Well, on my way home uh, this week from Calhoun County in the back roads, I knew the way it was wanting to take me, but I thought, no, there's an easier, better way this way. And guess what? It added about 10 minutes to my trip. Why? I really didn't know which way I was going. And God has told the people here, you need to look at the Ark of the Covenant and you need to stand about 10 football fields back so everybody in the nation can see the Ark as the, the Levitical priests move it to the river. Uh, you're, you, picture this, you're encamped beside the, there's a sloping hill up towards the river and you see the priest with the Ark of the Covenant on poles, and they're walking towards the water, and everybody in the nation is watching and looking. Uh, God intended for Israel to breach the Jordan River with him. He was going to lead the way. He would be the first into the water. But it could only be done if they what? If they followed directions, and they stood the right distance, and they kept their eyes on the Ark of the Covenant. Made me think of of the Proverbs, the Proverb 3, verse 5, 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. One translation says, and he will tell you which way to go. A focus on God, an intent purposeful looking, keeping your direction, keeping your attention focused on God. Now we know centuries later that the ark would come to live among us in the form of Jesus Christ. Uh, You know, the ark contained the 10 commandments. Jesus fulfilled the law. The ark contained the manna, which God fed his children. Jesus is the bread of life. The ark contained a dead stick that had come back to life. Jesus won victory over death, hell, and the grave. And so um, Hebrews 12.22, the writer of Hebrews, calls us to keep our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. Another translation, the author and finisher of our faith. Keep our eyes on Jesus. What's got your gaze distracted from Jesus this morning? I, I can't help but think about the story of, 
of Peter and the disciples when they're on the boat fishing. And it comes a storm and it's nighttime and it's dark and the storm catches them by surprise. And man, they're at the point to where they think they're going down and they think this is it. And they see off in the distance what they think is a ghost at first. And it's just Jesus taking his nightly stroll out on the water. And so as Jesus is standing there, he looks at the disciples and he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, step out of the boat. And you remember Peter. Peter was a redneck. That's what my pastor in New Orleans called him. Peter was, Peter was impetuous. Peter, he was going to be the first. And so we see Peter, by faith, eyes focused on Jesus, step out of the boat, and he's walking on the water towards Jesus. Now, I like, I got a vivid imagination. I, I, I imagine the waves going up and down, and the water and the rain blowing sideways, and then all of a sudden, There is one of those ear-piercing streaks of lightning followed by thunder, the kind that just shakes you. And I can imagine Peter for a split second taking his eyes off Jesus and looking at everything around him, and Peter starts to think, my ankles are wet. My knees are wet. Peter, what in the world are you doing? Men can't walk on water. And Jesus reaches out and he takes Peter by the hand and he lifts him up. Something had taken Peter's gaze off of Jesus. You're here this morning and something has taken your mind, your focus, your eyes off of Jesus. And you don't spend the time with him that you used to. You don't walk in his ways like you used to. You don't come to church like you used to. What has got your mind, what has got your focus off of Jesus? We must focus and follow the movements of the Lord so that where he leads, we'll follow. All right, so that's number one, follow the movements of God. Number two, consecrate ourselves. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. He said that God was about to do something great. Uh, the, the, he was going to do wonders, man, which was over, over going to, which was going to overcome all the obstacles that they're about to face. But before they did, God told them, you need to prepare yourselves first. Um, you need to consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. I'm going to do wonders among you. The Bible is filled with examples of people who had to consecrate themselves before God did a great work. And and I'll go ahead and tell you, whenever God does a great work, you can look back and see that he had called his people to consecrate themselves. A great work always comes after repentance. So in Exodus 19, before God gave the people of Israel the Ten Commandments, he told Moses, go to the people, consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments, and let them be ready for the third day For on the third day, Yahweh will come down Mount Sinai. Uh, Before before the Messiah would come, Isaiah 40 says, Every valley shall be exalted. Let every mountain and hills be made low, rough places plain, before the day of the Lord will come. In other words, they were to prepare a desert highway there in the desert for the coming of of the Lord. Uh, John the Baptist 
uh, fulfilled Isaiah 40's words by saying, uh, prepare ye the way of the Lord. There was a preparation that needed to be done before Jesus' ministry. And so uh, Jesus was called to fast and pray for 40 days in the wilderness before God set him on his mission. So we see even God himself, Jesus, the Son, being obedient to God the Father and consecrating himself and setting himself aside. Paul told Timothy in 2.21, If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So if we want to be used by God, we need to prepare ourselves to be used by him. I was sharing with, with Brother Steve, um, you know, it's, it's football season's coming up. Some of you probably watched a little football yesterday. And, and all of these teams that you're going to see, they have this will to win. Everybody's got a will to win. But one wise, I don't know if it was Bear Bryant, I don't know who it was, but somebody said it's not so much the will to win as if you have the will to prepare to win. So you can have the will to win, go in a game on Saturday, but if you haven't had the will to prepare, guess what? Fourth quarter comes along, you're going to get tired. <laughs> you're going to get cramps. You're going to give up. You're going you're to make silly mistakes, and you're not going to win. But however, a team that has come in and they've had the will to prepare to win, they're going to be conditioned. They're going to be focused. They're going to stay the course, and they're going to finish well. It's the same with church, we may have the will. I, I could have the will for God to come in and to do a great work and move among his people. But I, have I had the will to prepare during the week? Have I had the will to pre prepare a message and ask God to bless it? Have I had the will to uh, prepare myself and confess my sin and, and, and to, to be a clean vessel for God to use this morning. We need that same, we need more of the will to prepare for God to move and for God to work in our life. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. So to cross the uncrossable, we must fix our eyes on Jesus. We must, uh, we must sense his movements and follow where he leads. Brother Steve has mentioned time and time again, uh, looking to see where God is at work and joining them. And I'll tell you what, God is not an idle God. God does not sit back. God is at work all around us. So if we'll take and we'll focus and we'll have our eyes on God, hey, we'll see God is working in this ministry. So what do we do? Begin our own ministry? No. <laughs> God's working in this ministry. We see where God is at work, and we join him there. So we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus, and we've got to consecrate ourselves, set ourselves apart unto him. All right, number three. And, and, and by the way, I, I struggled in what order to put those first two. Because if you read the story, the first thing we hear is the direction of how they're to uh, cross and how the, the priests are supposed to carry the ark. And then 
they're told to consecrate themselves. I truly believe it begins with consecration. I truly believe it begins with looking and seeing, hey, what is in my life that separates me from being where God wants me to be? What is in my life that is separating me from my relationship with God? And you know what? We get rid of that. We ask God to forgive us. We, we, we change, we agree with God about our sin, and we move forward, and then we focus our eyes on him. And guess what? When we give him our undivided attention and focus, he will show us which way to go. So number three, step out and stand still. Look at verse seven and eight. The Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priest who bear the ark of the covenant. When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Jump up to verse 13. And when the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Here we are, the moment of truth. You've got the, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and the, the instruction is that they have to step out into the floodwaters. Now, we know the Jordan's overflowing its banks, so I don't know if, if, if they're standing in a puddle. I don't know if it drops off pretty quick, quick and, and they're down in the water. But man, wouldn't you like to be one of those priests? <laughs> you know, Joshua was given the instruction from God and he says, oh, and by the way, you priests, you're going to be the ones who carry the, the ark into the, into the river. Say what? You, us? So here they are. They're called to step out into the water and then not just take it into the water, but once they get into water to do what? Stand still and to be still. Uh, the command of God will always call for you to get your feet wet. I don't like wet feet. <laughs> but God calls you and commands you to get your feet wet. I told Brother Steve I, I wasn't going to mention it, but I think I will. It's, it's, it's kind of like over the years, you know, in trying to lose weight. I have read every kind of diet. We have bought books. <laughs> We have, I've studied, I've, I've got an honorary doctorate in how to lose weight, but guess what? It's just a, bunch, a shelf full of books. You know when I lost weight? is when I started to exercise, when I started to run, when I started to actually do what those books told me to do. Getting my feet wet. God will always call, call you to be obedient, and it will mean getting your feet wet. Uh, You'll never cross the Jordan unless you don't. Had the priests never stepped in with the ark, had they said, we're so scared, I can't swim. What if the, what if the current takes us down and we lose the ark? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine you've got the very presence of God on your shoulders in this box? I'm sure that went through their head. What if we get out there, man, and the current just takes us down? Guess what? God can float, number one. But God proved to them, 
hey, we've got to commit ourselves. We've got to commit our time, our energy, our money to what God is doing or it won't happen. Notice, after they stepped out, they stood still. So standing here on the banks, you hear this, this thunderous river raging. And you see the soldiers in their heavy armor and their swords. And you see old men on canes. And you see old women. And, and you see young mothers. And, and you see newborn children. And you see livestock. And you see uh, everything gathered and everybody's looking at the ark. Everybody's looking at the ark. Everyone was ready. Everyone was clean in heart. Everyone was alert. And already the step of faith had been taken as those men stood out in the water and they stood still. And a great hush falls over the crowd. Everyone was ready. And now they're standing still. And they were standing still. Why? They were waiting on God to move. All right, God, we've done what you've told us to do. And I'm sure it seemed like an eternity. But all of a sudden, one of them looks down and says, hey, I, I can see the grass coming up through the water. And another one says, I can see the rocks. And another one says, hey, my feet are on the ground. And before long, the riverbed is dry. Brother Steve mentioned, you know, he wonders if there was that one person who was so focused on God and so ready and believed in God so much that he kicked his sandals off and took off running. I'm sure there was. Um, hey, God dried the river up for actually about 19 miles. And the Bible says they walked across on dry ground. I don't think it was muddy. I don't think it squished. I don't think there were puddles. I believe God drained that river dry for them to cross over. Now the thunderous sound of the river is replaced with the thunderous sound of God's people marching, falling in, walking across. Now, I trust God and I believe God, but I'm going to be moving pretty quickly across that river. <laughs> now, you know, throughout history... In America, something great happens, we write a song about it. Or something tragic happens, we write a song about it. I was thinking about the sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald. And if you've ever heard that song, I mean, that, that's, that, that, that's a wonderful song. Or bye-bye, Miss American Pie, when, when the Big Bopper dies. And No, who was it? Yeah, the Big Bopper. Uh, so what do the people of Israel do here after this event? They write a song about it. Did you know there's a song about the crossing of the Jordan in the Bible? Where are you going to find it? Psalm. Psalm 114, 3 through 7 records it. The sea looked and fled. Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams. The hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you flee? O Jordan, that you turn back? O mountains, that you skip like rams? O hills like lambs? Here's the answer. Tremble, O earth. At the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob. I long to see the things that only God can do. Because we can look at what we do, not that impressive. You look at how God has worked in your life. 
I long to see what God can do. I look back at our journey in, in New Orleans when we went to seminary and how God provided. And situation after situation where God did only what God could do. I'm excited to see what God can do. The church of Acts, they had, they had a lot of rivers to cross. They had a lot of obstacles they faced. And they took simple steps and they focused on God and they were obedient. Brother Steve and the, the beginning well committee uh, a few Sunday nights ago shared with the church uh, kind of where they felt that the, the church had been, where the church is, and where the church is leading us in ministries and opportunities that he's put before us. And I'll tell you, it's not going to be easy. God doesn't just make things happen. Don't you wish he did? Don't you wish God just didn't require anything of us and he just made it, he just made it happen? God puts the river before us and says, all right, you want to see what I can do? Then you focus on me. You look at me. You, you give me your attention. You give me your devotion. You give me your love. You separate anything from your life that would be a hindrance to walking with me and being with me. And then guess what? I'm going to give you a chance to jump in there and get your feet wet. And I will take you across that obstacle. I believe everything that, that, that the, the committee shared with us that, that was a goal for us to be able to do every outreach. Hey, God will allow it to happen if we will begin with obedience and we will listen to his voice. We got to focus our souls on Christ and trust him. We got to cast out all of our sin that separates us from him. And we've got to be ready to move when he calls us to do the work. Consecrate yourself for God is going to do wonders tomorrow. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to, to bow your head at this time. Brother Ryan, Mike will come, song of invitation. What's keeping your focus from being on the Lord this morning? What is standing in the way of you being able to step out by faith and be obedient and follow him? You, you already know this morning, I believe, the altar's open. Chance for you to come and to consecrate yourself and to say, Lord, I've given you this and I've given you this, but I've never fully given you this. Would you come do that this morning? Would you pray for a, a renewed focus, a renewed vision? Uh, to, to, to sometimes, hey, sometimes we've got to take our glasses off and clean those, clean those lenses and get a fresh, good look at God. So I pray that uh, this morning, if that's you and you need to refocus, that you would come and take care of that. Maybe God has called you to a ministry. Maybe it, it's God is at work and he's called you and he says, hey, I need you to be a part of this. Well, you, you know what? Really, God doesn't need us. God gives us the opportunity. God says, I want you to be a part of this and for you to serve me. And maybe you just need to come today and be obedient and say, whatever it is, Lord, the answer is yes. I'm going to pray. Uh, and then when we say amen, Brother Steve will be here at the altar to pray with you. I'll be up front. 
uh, any, any of our deacons, these men around, uh, would be glad to pray with you. Or you simply may want to come to business, do business, just you and God this morning. Whatever it is, know that he knows and he cares and he loves you. Father, thank you for meeting us here this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Father, we thank you that you are an awesome God. Father, you're a God of the, the uncrossable. Father, you're a God of the impossible. Father, you can take what, what stumps us, Father, and, and you make quick work of it. Thank you that we can trust you. Thank you for your promises that you've made to us. And so I pray that during this invitation, Father, that you'd prove yourself faithful to the one who would come and kneel and surrender before you today. Meet, meet the needs of their heart this morning, dear Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.